Hi, and welcome to the Silver Screen Queens podcast. Every week we watch a movie and sit down here to talk about it. I'm Mel. I'm Katie. And we're your hosts. This week we watched The Mummy, directed by Alex Kurtzman and released in 2017. The plot of The Mummy goes something like this. An ancient princess cursed for all eternity is released from her burial chamber by an American soldier hunting for antiquities in Iraq. And at this point, normally we would sound a spoiler warning, but we're going to try something new this week and do a quick spoiler-free review for anybody who hasn't seen the movie before we get into spoiler territory, which we'll warn you about. So firstly, Katie, in like a minute or so, what's your spoiler-free thoughts on The Mummy? Should people see this movie? Um, Probably not. I don't think it's worth it. It's not anything special. It's not as terrible as I thought it was going to be. But it's still not – it's just not anything. Like, they're, they're trying way too hard to set up this kind of interconnected universe so much that the plot of this movie kind of gets lost in the shuffle. And the most interesting things about this movie aren't the main plot mm-hmm. at all. Like, all the stuff that I enjoyed was not really about the main plot. It was, like, other things that don't have anything to do with it. Um, I really liked just watching Sophia Butella do things. <laughs> um, but, like, it, it's, you know, the main kind of storyline is so odd and, and not very gripping. Yeah. But I want to know who choreographed the fight scenes because they are genius. The fight scenes in this movie are terrific. All the stuff with, like, the body parts coming off and, like, you know, punching through through the, like, zombie mummies and things like that. <laughs> I thought that stuff was so great. So hats off to the fight scene choreographer. I loved that stuff. The rest of the movie I could take or leave, basically. Yeah. And I, Sophie Butella I liked. Mm-hmm. If I wasn't reviewing this, I wouldn't have seen this. In fact, my mm-hmm. advice is go see Wonder Woman again. Yeah. Um, it's much better and more fun. Uh. Yeah, I didn't – the plot was nonsensical. It was all <laughs> over the place, this yeah. movie. And it, I didn't even find it silly fun. So I really – no, do not go and see this movie if you have a choice in the matter. So now, though, I'm going to sound the spoiler warning. And we're going to do our usual episode and we can delve into spo- as many spoilers as we like from now on. Okay. One of my biggest problems with this movie was the score – right off the bat in the opening bars when I went, oh, this is the Star Trek score. This score sounds so much like the Star Trek 2009 score that was written by, damn it, Michael Giacchino. Giacchino? Yeah, thank you. His name just for some reason fell out of my brain because I had him Mm. in my head all the time up until we recorded. But yeah, Michael Giacchino's um, Star Trek 2009 score, which I love. Like, I love that movie and that score means a lot to me. And the notes, like, it's almost exactly the same. Like, the beats and everything and the orchestral stuff is Mm. so similar. I was shocked at how similar the main theme is. I was actually expecting um, Michael Giacchino to be credited, but it's not. He's someone else did the score. Brian Tyler. Yeah. Brian Tyler, you're a hack. Um, (laughs) But it's really funny because Alex Kurtzman is the director of this movie and he and um, Roberto Orki wrote Star Trek 2009. They did. And, like, it's just really – it's such a ripoff. I did hear that as well um, when it when it came on. I wasn't obviously as offended as you were because obviously you were you loved that movie. And also, I hear a lot more of the original Star Trek score in the Star Trek two thousand and nine score. But yeah, anyway. but that's that makes sense though because they're mm. paying homage to like it yeah, is Star but Trek. That's, but like I didn't hear the original Star Trek in this oh, score. Right. Yeah, whereas no, I could hear it in the um, yeah. In the Jacino one. It's that theme. It's the da na 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 is the same. Those th- that is the same in this one. Right. I didn't hear that. Okay. Yeah, it's it's exactly. exactly the same 
Well, that's anyway. pretty a hacky way to start. But the movie is just – so we went along to this because, you know, we've got to see something and we can't watch Wonder Woman every week from now until Christmas, which, like, honestly, that would be okay. And we got half-price tickets to see it in premium, that- which was the, the thing that affected my decision between yep. this and, like, the two other movies we could have seen this week, which were Pirates wasn't screening in, in premium and uh, 20th Century Woman wasn't screening yeah. in premium. And I was like – Let's go see the mummy. <laughs> yes. As you can see, we have a very scientific um, decision-making process here. So, yeah, that was nice. We got to sit in nice big chairs and somebody brought us club sandwiches halfway through, so that was great. Yep. And um, tea. Oh, I love it. Um, but the movie, <laughs> so though, civilized. was so, I, so – I'm a big fan of the 1999 remake of The Mummy, which is Brendan Fraser and is, John Hanna and Rachel Weisz. Are there Weiss. people who aren't a big fan of the 1999? Well, I think it's of something particular to our age because it came out like when I was in high school and – we would watch, like in my boarding school, we would all watch that movie like mm. every weekend for ages and ages on end. So I've seen it in the way that teenage girls watch movies, which so I'm not sure everyone is a fan of it in the way that, you know, teenage girls become fan of movies. But Yeah, but yeah. it's so much fun. Like, it's you so know, fun. It's so much more fun. It's so much more entertaining. It's like it, it is silly, mm. um, but it doesn't take itself seriously. So yeah. that works a lot better for it. Yeah. There's a, lo- a couple of other really important decisions that I think – that movie made that this movie failed on. But I also feel like somebody went and saw the 1999 Mummy movie and went, why is that other guy the mummy when Anaxuna Moon is so much better and then just made Anaxuna Moon the mummy yeah. in this one? Um, like there's a lot of similarities there. Yeah, but, but I mean they, I think they also went and saw it and went, let's try not to go too near the other one. Yeah. The other one, you know, sets it in the 1930s like the original movie version of The Mummy, which was made in the 1930s. It does the – That's a really clever idea though. Yeah. Because it avoids a lot of the political problems that this movie falls traps yeah. this movie falls right into, and it can deal with the political situation of that time, which is the colonialist stuff mm. um, and the colonialist adventures in Egypt and all that kind of thing. It, I mean, it never pretends to be anything that it isn't. It's a good, fun romp of a movie. It's yeah. not meant to be high art. It's not meant to be fancy. It's meant to be fun. Yeah. It's meant to be silly. It's a little bit campy. Yeah. And it's also got really strong performances in the lead from all three, I think, of um, Brendan Fraser and Rachel Weiss and um, John, John Hannah, Hannah is really are good. all really fun in it. Mm. Um, and the bad guys are having a good time, Arnold Woslu mm. and um, and whoever the girl was who played Anux in a Moon. And it's got um, a dead fair in it looking gorgeous. Yeah. But, like, everybody in that is really kind of – it it's it is silly and campy, but they're really giving their all to that silly and campiness. Yeah. And Rachel Weiss is just like sparkling wonderful gloriousness in that Whereas movie. Whereas this movie stars two of the kind of least liked men in Hollywood. And not and I'm not saying that um either Tom Cruise or Russell Crowe are necessarily bad actors, but neither of them is well liked anymore. No. Um and Tom Cruise I Tom Cruise has never done anything that he doesn't take seriously. I don't yeah. think he's able to laugh at himself in a real way do you know how much like you know that whole discussion of like how long they had sex for oh my god it was so boring nobody cared (laughs) not only was it really boring it felt like there was a note about that in the script and tom cruise made them change it Mm -hmm. so that he could like argue back against it it feels really fake like really Mm. fake and really irritating jen and and that's kind of your introduction to jenny annabelle wallace's character who never really grows on you she Sort of, she's not a great actress. She looks like somebody else who we can't figure out who it is. Yeah, and she looks and sounds like any number of interchangeable British actors or European actresses in their 30s who are all doing similar one one role in a blockbuster type work. And I just, there's nothing special there. 
And who is that girl who's in the RoboCop, the Australian girl who's in the RoboCop remake and um, who was oh. in Sucker Punch? Um, uh, Abby Cornish? Yeah, Abby Cornish. Yeah. She looks like Abby Cornish. Yeah, she does a little bit. <sighs> she yeah. reminded me of her a bit. But yeah, anyway, she just, there's no like point to her in this movie. She's not very likable. She's not very interesting. There's a, you know, women are inherently untrustworthy situation with her and with Aminette. Mm. Um, there's some real in, there's some real sexism and racism going on in this movie. I mean, it's just so like shoddily put together. I, yes, absolutely. And before you even get to her character, we have this pre-credit sequence with Sophia Batella's Aminette and her backstory. Her backstory is amazing. Yes. And I can totally understand why she went evil. Right. Like, it makes perfect sense. She's this heiress and princess who is the sole heir of her father, the Pharaoh. And he remarries and has a son. And so she loses her whole line of, her all of her, um, you know, power. power. She loses her place in the line of succession was I think the word I was looking for. Yeah. But like, of course you're going to go mad and especially try and gain back everything you had, oh, especially because she's, you know, like 25 or so at the point at which her, son, her husband, her father has another son. and But like, also she's been trained to be ruthless. She's been taught to be like – she's been taught to fight and be a leader and trained to be ruthless her entire life. And then this yeah. happens. What did they think was going to happen? Yeah. Her story is amazing, by the way, except that the whole thing is – um voiced over by Russell Crowe. Yeah. And that is another problem I found throughout the movie. There's a lot of telling us stories yeah. that are voiced over by somebody and yeah. it's really quite boring. A lot of exposition dump. Yeah, but I, I actually – and the visuals of the ancient Egypt stuff, whoever did the makeup and, and costume design on this was having a ball as well, especially mm -hmm. when they did um, everything for Sophia Butella as Aminette. I mean, there's a – like, I feel like there were people who were doing a really good job. Yeah. It, you know, finding the good things in bad movies. But, like, it is very sort of um, – th there are things in this movie that I genuinely liked. And and one of those things was Sophia Butella whenever she was on screen. So mm. when it was her flashback, I was like, this is great. Yeah, I really liked her pre-credit sequence too. I was like, she's cool. I, is the movie going to be about how awesome she is and how she's going to win? <laughs> right. Uh, there's a moment when she's, like, in London, like, just walking through this cloud of glass that she's created. And I was like, how are we not supposed to root for her? Like, clearly I'm rooting for her. And then later on in the movie, she's just smacking Tom Cruise around. She does around. it a couple of times. She's just is so much stronger than him. She just smacks him around. And, of course, that's what we want to see. Of yeah. course we want to see Tom Cruise humiliated. That's well, the whole point. But just to see her be so much stronger and cooler yeah. and better than him and then you take that away and you're like, oh, that's kind yeah. of disappointing. Well, but also yeah. the best characters in this movie were the bad guys, the monsters mm. and stuff. You know, there, there weren't any – like the hero – Tom Cruise's character was so awful. Yeah. Oh, he was just a jerk. Like he's a soldier but he's also raiding tombs and then selling antiquities on the black market. And it does feel like they were trying to go for like a charming rogue thing like what – Brendan Fraser did. Brendan yeah. Fraser did in the Mummy. Like he was a charming rogue. He was he was a Tomb Raider. Yeah, yeah. But he did it. He did it so much well, better. And Tom Cruise, he just seems arrogant. It just mm. seems like, he, and he's pulled um, Jake Johnson along with him as these two oh soldiers my God, doing Jake this Jake Johnson, thing. In but this he just movie is so he just, irritating. He seems arrogant and stupid. Like he is deliberately putting other people's lives in danger. He's deliberately putting other soldiers in danger. He's going into places he shouldn't be. He's stealing things. He's taking things for his own credit. And there's no charm about that. No. He's not a nice person. And he's the idiot who shoots 
figures out the pulley system and shoots it so that the mummy gets brought up in the first place. Of course. Well, that, but then he gets cursed for it. So yeah, he yeah. does get punished for that. But, um, the other thing is that, like, he, uh, the, the other thing about setting it in the 30s mm. is that you go, oh, people could totally just walk into a tomb in the 30s. Yes. The fact that they could do it now is crazy. It's crazy town that these three people go down there by themselves. Yeah, in somewhere in northern without Iraq. Any, without any other soldiers or any other scientists or anybody else. Mm. Like, they have to do plot, like, cartwheels to try and get them out of this. Especially when they um they show you the – in England they've dug up this tomb of crusaders and that is a bit more traditional. There's thousands of people down there. You know, there's it's a long process of unearthing everybody. And, yes, um, Russell Crowe's secretive shady organisation comes in and takes over – even that is like a much bigger deal. Yeah, um, th- but there's other things as well. Like, where are all the uh, non-white people and women in this movie? Well, I mean, at least our one Egyptian is non-white. Yes, that's true. Like that—that's but- better than a lot of movies that have ca- come out, even in the last few years. That is true. But everybody and men, especially, there's no other women in this movie. We see a couple of like Egyptian princesses or priestesses and things. Mm. That's it. Yeah. That's it. There's nobody else in this whole movie who's female. There's no female soldiers at all. Everybody who works for Russell Crowe is male. Everybody who works for Courtney B. Vance is male. Every single other person in this movie, the, 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 um, the, um, ambulance officers who go to the site are all male. Mm. And it's also that Sophia Butella, as the mummy, can kiss everybody. Like that's, the 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 way that they sexualize the mummy so insanely much for this uh-huh. movie is crazy. It's like they went back and watched Inca Mummy Girl, the episode of Buffy, where because <laughs> she like has to kiss Santa to suck. Yeah. That's all I could think of with her. But like seriously, she has to kiss everybody to get their powers, and she has to do the ceremony naked. Yep. And like you know, and like every time she sees Tom Cruise, she has to like try and seduce him in order to like make her power thing work. I was like, are you kidding me with this? Nowhere near as much fun as any other mummy I've ever seen. Like, just uh, no. But it's it's just she was great. But like they have to sexualize her so much. Yeah. yeah. They sexualize her so much, and it's ridiculous. Mm. And it's it you know, and she can do it so well that to to do all of that to try and make her more. Like, make the movie sexier is so irritating. She, well, she doesn't need it to be compelling. You know what else I noticed? This is a <laughs> random thing. But when Annabelle Wallace and Tom Cruise were sitting side by side, she's bigger than he is. Mm, like you know taller. the shot from behind? Yeah, yeah. Yeah, well, she's taller, but that makes her broader as well. So yeah, she's yeah. just, her whole body is just bigger than his is. <laughs> it's just really, like, it's fine, but it seems like an odd thing to happen in a Tom Cruise movie, you know what well, I mean? Well, and, and right at the end there's a scene where the two of them are supposed to be standing next to each other and she looks like she's a foot t- shorter than him and she's like... Mm-hmm. Well, they do that with Tom Cruise and Sofia Vitella. Like, yeah. she's so much shorter. And I was like, is she really shorter than him? Well, Sofia Vitella is a model. She's actually tall. Right. I don't think she's shorter than him. I mean, he must have been on like two apple crates or something. Yeah, which is really shot. weird because they're both... Both the women are like skinny women like they're skinny actresses and yeah. they look skinny on screen but he's so small yeah he's like pint size so um it just was like something that i noticed mm. and her like jacket looks strange in that shot it's just a strange shot yeah it's like they didn't properly style it yeah. and style her before they did it right i did enjoy some things about this movie i have to admit there were things that i liked and most of those were like action scenes. Once the action scenes got off the ground, I think somebody on this team had a really good sense of like visual gags. 
because mm. there's quite a few moments when I laughed in action scenes non-ironically because I thought it was cool. Like when, um, like I said, all the, um, so for some reason, um, Arminette can like summon the dead to do her bidding. And so she does that with all of these bodies and there's a really cool kind of creepy, twisty body horror thing that they do with the way they're all like, I don't know how to describe it. But you know the way they move? Right. How limbs, creepy it is? Yeah. So I, I took that as being like, whatever injury they'd got that had killed them is still in effect and so their limbs sort of hang in weird ways. Like mm. some of the crusaders had like broken fingers that were hanging off in weird directions and certain mummies were had their bodies twisted in particular ways because that's how they were when they died. Yeah, so there was a really cool kind of body horror thing to that. But then when Tom Cruise is fighting them, the movie kind of picks up a bit because he like punches through one guy's head and then he uses he mm. pulls the head off another guy to knock one of them out and things like that like it's really fun and then when they're driving away in the ambulance he he hits one of the guys with a tree and so just the torso up yes. is still in the car which was really like and then they had to fight that part of the mummy still and yeah, that yeah. was really like there's somebody on the team who clearly had a really good sense of making fun action scenes yes um and i think the fight choreography was like i said really fun and really good um, and then, like, it's funny when, you know, Sophia Butella just kind of whacks Tom Cruise across the face and knocks him yeah. across the forest when he's, when Jenny's like, kill him, kill him. And she does that to him. Well, that scene really. Oh, kill her, kill her. Kill that, her. Yeah. That scene really bugged me because Jenny could clearly get out of the ambulance at that point. She's unbuckled herself and she's like upside yeah. down and she's just sitting there yelling, kill her, kill yeah. her. And like, she's not actually getting out herself to help. It yeah, just but that very happens weird. a lot in this movie. Like, it was just so stupid. People doing dumb things for mm. the point of convenience is yes. a, a big thing in this movie. But, yeah, it is stupid, but it's like th that was stupid for a gag, so at least I understand. <laughs> yeah, yeah, eventually it made sense. It sort of pays off in a gag. Yeah, um, it did. And that, that whole ambulance bit was actually really well done. Um, I mean, to Tom Cruise being Tom Cruise, he know he kind of – the action – he goes for some serious action straight mm. off, like the bit on the, the Hercules plane. Yeah, that but bit's really actually quite good too mm. in the movie. It's very effective. It's like watching them move down the plane with no gravity was yeah. really – or no, like, not the gravity's pulling the plane down there, floating in the plane. Yeah, was yeah. really cool. That was cool. It felt – that's such a – felt like a Tom Cruise thing though. It felt like we'd really jumped into very serious action because Tom wanted to do very serious action and that's what he likes to do. But then the ambulance scene, I, but I don't But those know. were the best bits. Yeah. So. I liked, and I liked the ambulance scene because it was like, it was more, it felt more improvised in that he, he, they were using the tools that were around. It wasn't like, it wasn't, didn't feel like a big set piece in the same way and it, it felt quite organic. Yeah. And there's also a moment when Jenny walks in on the and interrupts the almost ritual thing yeah, and yeah. all of them snap their heads around to look at her that's quite funny yeah. like there were and i think those bits like i feel like that wasn't maybe necessarily scripted like those were yeah. things that somebody on the film either directed or it was acted yeah right and and there's so so there's clearly somebody who has a good sense but there's no good gags in the script no the script and is terrible and jake johnson man like he is playing a very similar role to Jurassic World where he's trying to be funny and he's just not and he's just irritating. And I don't know if it's him or if it's – because this is so badly written as well and you mm. don't get that sense of like even though they're supposed to be buddies, he and Tom Cruise just don't kind of play it off each like other. It feels like Tom Cruise is dragging this guy along that he – why the heck are they both even there? Yeah, it does. And it's very – um, it it's kind of seems to be trying to, you know, get that – magic of like Simon Pegg in the Mission yeah. Impossible movies and Jake Johnson is no Simon Pegg. No. Um, Simon Pegg is the best part of those movies. 
I make no apologies. No, I yeah, that's fine. The movie that he's in or the movies that he's in. Yeah, yeah he is. Yeah, it's just uh no, it doesn't work. But that said, at this early on, I found myself enjoying the action definitely. Mm. It's only as it drags on a bit and the plot becomes more and more nonsensical and you start seeing more and more things that are just done for the convenience of moving the plot along that I started to get annoyed, I started to get bored, and it's barely longer than an hour and a half, so I really shouldn't be getting bored. I got bored a lot too. Um, Yeah, that, but I feel like part of that is this kind of desperation to squish in the m- new dark universe. universe. Mm, and to which point we must come to, I guess, Russell Crowe, who's playing Dr. Jekyll and Mr. Hyde. Now, admittedly, he uh, he felt like he was from another movie. Mm. Right? It doesn't feel like that belongs in this movie. But at the same time, I actually didn't mind him. Right? And I thought I would hate him because I hate him as, like, an actor. But because the character is quite unsympathetic but also quite interesting, mm-hmm. he was actually really good. Yes. This is what I've come, it was coming back to when I said at the start about two of the most dislikable men in Hollywood. Like, neither – like, Russell Crowe has really not done much in recent years and it's got a lot to do with his reputation mm. as not a nice person – um, he can act, and I think we've talked about this before. We talked about this in Man of Steel. How I said I think he can, I've always thought he could act, mm. but I have issues with him. And I came into this feeling the same way, like, oh, Russell Crowe, fine, whatever. But he's really good in that role, yeah, and it suits it, him. I think it plays into those things I, I about actually, him. Actually, I feel like if he was like, if that was a proper Victorian era, Doctor Jekyll and Mister Hyde, he would be perfect in that role. Like, if you were setting it in the era that. Jekyll and Mr. Hyde is set, he would be great in that role as well. Yeah. I did kind of like the the juxtaposition between that very Victorian kind of sensibility with very modern technology. That was quite mm. fun for me. I liked that about that storyline mm. um, and having like the, the really big super soldiers and the way that the room locked down yeah. when he turned into Hyde. That he, was cool. And the, the handprint wouldn't recognize, like they wouldn't let Hyde out. I liked all that stuff. Mm. And he does a really good job as both Jekyll and Hyde. Yes. Um, he has this kind of subtle sense of menace as Jekyll, but he's so, um, so his accent is so on point mm. too. He's so well-spoken and, and that voice is – the voice that he does is so good. Mm, yeah. It lulls you into this kind of false sense yeah. of security. And then he switches to Hyde and he's all like cockney and hard edge and, and all this sort of stuff. And it's really fun. Yeah. He did a – and he and the fight scene with him and Tom Cruise was really fun. Mm. He, they, he did a good job. Yeah, he did. It just doesn't feel like it belongs in this movie. Yeah. And, it, and probably the Dr. Jekyll, Mr. Hyde movie is going to be great. With him in the lead. Yeah, as long as they don't try and do what they did in this one and, and cross it over with too many other things, mm. it'll be really fun. Like, it, watching a movie with him as that role, I think, would be enjoyable. I hope they don't bring back Annabelle Watts. I hope they have somebody else. Maybe it can mm. be a prequel before this movie or something because yeah. she's boring. Like, just just nothing there. There wasn't anything I never felt for well, that character. That's why I spent the whole movie trying to figure out what I'd seen her in. And I haven't seen her in anything. anything. She's just interchangeable with yeah. any a whole number of other people. And I, I feel like if they'd actually cast that actress, so, like, obviously, I don't know that they're going to try and cast someone who's the similar stature to Russell Crowe and Tom Cruise. But if they could cast an actress who could at least keep up with them, who was at least, like, could you know, go toe-to-toe with them. And that's this is the problem with all these kinds of movies is that they always put women in who don't do anything before that or after that who aren't very impressive. Mm. We, we've never seen them before. And because, you know, Tom Cruise insists on his, his love interest being 25 years younger than him. 
Yes. Um, I did a whole research project on that where I was like figuring out the ages of all of his love interests through all of his movies and they kind of keep up keep pace with him till he's about 30 and then they stay the same age and he gets older they go up a little bit to like the average is kind of around 33 32 now but the oldest love interest he ever had was Cameron Diaz in Night and Day she was 38 yeah and he was already what 50 he was born in 1962 so he that makes and him, that was in 2010. So he's 55 this year. So he so been, I don't, I'm I'm so anyway, but that, that that's you know, but basically what we're saying is he he's 55 and his love interests are around 30. Yes. So yeah, and so for whatever reason he's insisting on that casting. This is all comes back to this Tom Cruise can't take him. It just takes him off way too seriously. Yeah. This movie would have been much better without him. It would have been much better without him. They mm. wouldn't have had to pander to him. I know he's a big star, but I don't know that his – I feel like all the movies that I've seen with him recently, and I see, like, all Tom Cruise's movies, I feel like I see them all in spite of him being in them. Yeah. Like, when we, Edge of Tomorrow, mm-hmm. so great in spite of Tom Cruise being in it. Um, this like, is not great, but we saw it in spite of being to, of having Tom Cruise in it. Right. Um, like, I wanted to see it because I like Sofia Boutella. Um, yeah, and she is good. She is good in it. Plus, I, you know, it was kind of fun idea. And, like, I just wanted to see how what they did with it. And yeah. I am glad that it's very, very different from the 1999 Mummy. I don't have to ruin my memories of that excellent film with this. Well, I feel like seeing the new Pirates movie would be more ruinous than watching the <laughs> this because the Pirates is ruining its own franchise. Yes. And also the Mummy kind of ran itself into the ground before anyway with that yeah, terrible Maria Bello movie. Oh, yeah. I, I'm, not even, I'm not even sure I've seen – oh, no, I saw the, one, the sequel with The Rock in it. Yeah, the first sequel, but I didn't. But watch that the also Scorpion has King. Rachel Weisz in it, and it's still not great. No, but it's it's it maintains that kind of sense of fun of the original. Yeah, it's a little bit worse than the first one, but yeah. like it's it's still kind of got their chemistry and some fun things in it. And stuff. Yeah, and I'm I'm not. Yeah, we didn't really go into that. I I love the first one from 1999, not the sequels. Yeah, I I, I wish that this movie had. I don't know. I felt. So kind of invested in Arminette. Mm. <laughs> and I really wanted her to win. Yeah. But well, she's just been so hardly done by. Like, and then, yes, okay, so she murders a child. Sure. But, like, really. But then she, you know, she's paid pays for that. She really pays for that. But then she also wants to bring evil to – this is another thing that I had a problem with as well, that Set was – was the like personification of evil in this and you're uh-huh. like no he's just the god of the dead like we have this western tendency to associate the god of the dead with evil mm. and it's not something that the egyptians had or say whenever they do movies about greece they make hades evil and yeah. things like that they didn't have that association for set no set wasn't evil he was just the god of the dead like he yeah. was just the guy who whereas yeah. and actually in our you know, day and age we're also scared of death and death is a lot more distant from most of us in our everyday lives in a way that it wasn't in ancient greece or egypt right and we just kind of conflate that fear into evil yeah and i didn't like and i liked the idea that evil is a disease mm. more than the idea that set was evil like the concept of evil being a disease that can that that um, you can develop Dr. an inoculation Yeah, against. exactly. Mm. That was really interesting and fun. Like, that's why, I mean, you know, they're really setting up for a much better movie. It's <laughs> yeah. the Dr. Jekyll movie with a much worse movie, this one. Hopefully it'll be a better movie because yeah. it feels like it would be a better movie. There's much mm. more interesting stuff around that. Um, they, yeah, I don't know. The makeup was great. 
Oh yeah, Sophia Butella and even um Jake Johnson's sort of one zombie makeup went zombie. The, yeah. the, I actually did like the um again the juxtaposition between like his zombie kind of thing with his like surfer dude attitude. Yeah, yeah. Was fun. I wish that they had cast somebody else in that role that could really pull it off, mm. who could have been really good in it. Yeah, someone a bit more of a veteran character actor. Oh, like, or some, yeah. which is what you're I think you were going for with Simon Pegg, like yeah, a Simon Pegg, comedy or, but there person. are young people, young guys who I find mm. I can't think of anybody off the top of my head, which you'd think I'd be able to. Any of the guys from any, Everybody Wants Some, there you go. Yeah, yeah, any one of those guys. That guy, um, what is it, Glenn Powell? I love that guy. Yeah, yeah. Put him in this. Um, somebody who just like has more charisma and has like can be funny and silly, mm. but also is you like more right off the bat. Yeah. So that like when he comes back, it's it because it is. I, I feel like there's a lot of ideas in this movie that were quite good. Yeah. That's quite a good idea. His death early on is shocking. Mm. It's a shock because you don't expect the sidekick to die that early. No. And then he keeps coming back in this like zombie ghost form. And it's like if it was in the hands of a good actor, that would have been really fun and funny. Yeah. He, he's an interesting one because he turns out to be quite likable on, um, what is it, The Good Girl? The that What's that show? Oh, the, yeah. Um, the so, New Girl. New Girl. Um, but that's only because it's a TV show and we have time for him to grow on you. Like he, yeah. play, he's playing that same kind of prickly personality, mm. but the sort of the charm and the sort of softness underneath comes out over the course of a TV series or a I season. I also didn't mind him. He and um, I should know this because I love him. The Wayans, the young, the uh, son, Junior, Damon, Damon Wayans Junior, who's also in New Girl. But uh, Damon Wayans Jr. and Jake Johnson did a movie together where they played people who pre- guys who pretended to be cops. Yeah, and then like let's it. be cops. Yeah, it's called. It wasn't very good, but I quite liked those two in that, and I didn't mind Jake Johnson in that. And Damon Wayans Jr. was doing his thing, which I always find very funny. I like him a lot, mm. so that was fine. So I know that I can like Jake Johnson. I just think that they're pushing him too hard as like a wacky sidekick, yeah. and I don't think he's a wacky sidekick type guy. No. I don't think it works. No. What he does is different. Yeah, that. it is. It's a li- it's, it's, it's more only sort a- of curmudgeonly. Right. He needs to be like more of a you need to have a an arc with him that where he starts out that you don't like him and then by the end mm. of the movie he's got to prove himself rather than yeah. being in this role which is Not, you've got to, you've got to kind of click with him straight away for it to work well. Yeah, and as you say, Tom Cruise doesn't need to be the lead in this movie. You could cast <laughs> There's so let's recast everybody in this movie except for Zof- Sophia Butella and Russell Crowe. Yeah. And then you might have something and then rewrite the script. <laughs> just, yeah, the script really need, just needs punching up. I but did notice whoever had the great ideas for the. <laughs> this script has like three different authors, I did notice too. Yeah. Um, so that never helps things. No, that, well, it is three, it feels like three different movies. Yeah, there's, there's like just there's so Armanette's many- movie is going on, mm. and then Tom Cruise's character's movie is going on, and then there's the Jekyll and Hyde movie. That's oh, also don't forget going Jake on. Johnson. It comes back. He comes back every so often. But I no, think he's, he's in the Tom, he's Cruise, in movie. The Tom Cruise movie, yeah. right? He and Tom Cruise. That's them. And and Annabelle Wallace is in that movie. And then the Armanette movie, which is much better. Yeah. And then there's the Jekyll and Hyde Russell Crowe movie, which is also much better. Yeah. So oh. just just get if we just got rid of the Tom Cruise movie, yeah, <laughs> then we'd have something. But no. It's just it it doesn't work. And no. She's so Sophie Batella just like kind of draws your eye whenever she's on screen. Yeah. And not just because she looks different. There's something so compelling. Like when she's, she was trapped yeah. in that co- device that was filling her with mercury, it was so like it was kind of gut wrenching, sad. Mm. And yet like 
she's the villain. She's evil. She's trying to bring evil to the world, and yet you feel so bad for her in those she's, moments. Yeah. Well, she's sharing a screen with Tom Cruise and Russell Crowe, and yet she is the one drawing your eye. Yeah. And, you know, and then when she and escapes she was the as same well, in, it's so in, much fun. She's been the same in other movies we've seen her in. Like, Kingsman's terrible. Yeah. But she she is the one you focus on in that movie. Yep. And um, and then she was in the Star Trek movie Yeah. Which, well. Again, she also draws your attention in that one. Yeah. So, she, um, I'm here for the rise of Sophia Butella. I think mm. Sophia Butella, I think she's great. Mm. Um, and I think she's great in this. But then the, there's so many things about this that are so wrong. Yeah. She, the, the way that she, everything about her is painted as seductive. Oh. That's not what a mummy is. No. Like, there are other ancient creatures to use for the seductive purpose. That's yeah. what vampires are for. Yeah. There's no, there's no reason to make the mummy that kind of a monster. It doesn't really work. It, it felt so much to me like they just watched an Aksuna Moon who was so cool, right? And also, it's possible also they were like, well, we have to have a female villain in this movie because there's no other women. We need to do something. It, it, they do have one scene where it very, like, noticeably passes the Bechdel test when <laughs> hmm. one scene because there's no other yep. movie, women in this movie apart from those ancient two. Ancient Egyptian, yeah. Yeah. So they have to do something with those two for it to work. I don't know. It's silly. And they, they make this very obvious comparison between like the blonde, blue eyed English girl and oh, this dark. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. That, that's kind of cross section of sexism and racism that they, mm-hmm. they well, just and that, feel even, like slapping onto this well, movie. The, the fact that she is over sexualized, that the woman of color is, is over sexualized yep. is, is that's part of her weaponry. Yeah, as and, well, and that um, she, the other girl, isn't. Yep, um, Annabelle Wallace isn't. It, even down to the bit where Annabelle Wallace spends like the last thirty minutes of the movie in a wet t-shirt. Let's also not forget that the reason that that she and Tom Cruise's character know each other is because they had sex before the movie started. Uh-huh. Let's remember that. Yeah, <laughs> because that's very important to the characters. Apparently, yes. you also never get why she likes him. No, they're just like fighting from the start, or adversarial yes but then he saves her right yeah but then from then on it still doesn't seem like there's any reason for her to like like him as a person no he just would be grateful to him maybe in fact i almost found myself surprised when the two of them end up teaming up and going off to the church and stuff you're like why would you go with him and then they're the only protagonists we have we don't have anybody else to care about and we don't have any reason to care about either of those two Mm -hmm. so what's the What's the point? Yeah. What is the point? You, I, you, I just kept going back to the sorry, the nineteen ninety nine mummy, where you do have you have Brendan Fraser and Rachel Weiss's character. They and they fall in love over the course of the film. So yeah. you watch the chemistry happen. But the necessity of having John Hannah as the third wheel as her brother as yeah. the comic relief absolutely makes that movie work. Exactly. You need a John Hannah character and Jake Johnson isn't fitting the bill. He's hardly there and mm. he's not. And gets turned into a zombie 20 minutes in. Right. Which is a great twist, but they needed somebody else. <laughs> the, yeah, that that's the problem. There's no balance to this team of heroes, yeah. right? Like there's no kind of, the, we're not filling the emotional needs of the audience using yeah. these characters. I, I wonder, and I feel like they spent all their money hiring Tom Cruise and hiring Russell Crowe, <laughs> and then they had no money left to hire the kind of actors who could have actually rounded this out. I don't know, because it's in the script, right? Like, the, Yeah, the script is bad too. And, so, and it's I just, know. I mean, and Universal's trying so hard to make this dark universe thing happen. Yeah. Well, I mean, anybody who goes to see The Mummy will probably want to see the Jekyll and Hyde movie because that stuff worked yeah. well mm, yes. and there's a whole kind of 
storyline there that could be a great TV show, by the way. There's a really good TV show in that dark universe. Yeah. Of like going out and, co- and like fighting evil and collecting and I, evil I, artifacts and, and I like the idea of Warehouse 13 esque. Yeah, right. I, and I, I, and we all know that Tomb Raider movies do great. Mm. And we also know that like there's these, all these great stories that are now out of copyright. Yeah. That they can use to make this universe happen. But yeah, I just, do you know the other reason why mm. the mummy works so well is because Evie's the protagonist, not Rick. Yep. She's the one whose journey sets off everything. Yeah, and she's a nice, sensible librarian who's accidentally gotten out of her comfort zone. So she's a really good aug- audience surrogate. Exactly. And and she's so, like I said, sparklingly lovely and wonderful. Like mm. everything about her is so bubbly and effervescent and charming in that movie. The bit where the scene where she gets drunk is marvelous. What is a, a place like me doing in a girl like this? You know, I am a librarian. <laughs> yeah. All of that stuff. Um, and like having Benny as well as like another comic relief character mm. who's like the bad comic. Where he's like a worse counterpart to Rick so that Rick looks like the good one next yeah. to Benny. And then the whole, you know, hey, Benny, you're on the wrong side of the river. That stuff. It's like it's really f- it's so much fun. It's so, it's so much, much fun. more fun. It's directed by like Stephen Summers, one of the worst directors. But, you know, it's so <laughs> fun yes this is a definitely a podcast where we've talked more about other movies than the movie that we're watching yeah because it's so freaking terrible it's just and also so much like other movies also it's such a bad idea to have this movie start in iraq and then trying to make them adventurers in iraq Mm. like what are you doing that's a current war that's devastating people yeah (laughs) that's such a bad idea yeah i know Kingsman makes a similar mistake, actually. And it's trying to tie into the um, the thing where the insurgents have been destroying Mesopotamia, like not the Americans, but it just seems – it's just on the nose and it's why, you know, that – and also we basically never go to Egypt. We go to Egypt in flashback or at the yeah, very end. There's no Egypt. It's a movie about a mummy, but we don't go to Egypt. No. Almost all of the movie is in England. Yeah. Um, but the other thing about that that I find really funny is um, there's a bit where Annabelle Wallace goes, I'm here to make sure that the enemy doesn't get their hands on this. And I'm like, you mean the stuff that rightfully belongs to them because it's in their country? Yeah. Like, there's no way you guys have a right to this stuff. There's no, no way that England has a right to this stuff. Rightfully, this stuff belongs to, at the very least, the Iraqis. Also, the England of the Brendan Fraser mummy's era is still in serious amounts of trouble for all the antiquities they've stolen from various countries around the world. There's still a diplomatic incident between England and India over a diamond. There's still diplomatic incidents going on between England and Greece over the Elgin marbles. Yes. Like, seriously, in this day and age, if you're finding antiquities, you freaking leave them where they are. Or at least you help the people who live there. To protect them. You're right. Exactly. Um, And they tried to justify it by, like, there's going to be a – there's there's all this fighting. It's going to be ruined if they don't get it yeah. out. That sort of thing. Uh, and then they kind God, of like terrible. yeah. And then they try and tie it in with the fact that they've done their own archaeological digging in their own country, and they found all these crusaders who just come that back was from weird Egypt. too. That's, like everything is so convenient. Yeah. Well, it was, and it was also overcomplicates the plot. It's just yes. like uh, it's y- just so that they can get to England, so that they can do all that dark yeah. universe stuff. It's yep. the only reason that it happens. It's so obvious. It's yep. so obvious, and it's like it's oh god, so frustrating. The, but the fact that they don't, like, there's no respect for 
anybody from anywhere in the Middle East in this movie because, uh, again, when they are in the Middle East, we don't see any Middle Eastern people except for the terrorists. Yep, and we see the town get blown up. And we see the insurgents. Oh, but everybody run got away. out beforehand, as they, as Jake Johnson tells us in one line of dialogue. But yeah, and and we only ever see insurgents anyway. Like all the all the people who actually live there are gone. No, but Jake Johnson. That's what I mean. Yeah, yeah, yeah no, Johnson I know. Terrible that. line of dialogue. Yes. Yeah. he specifically tells us huh. it's okay. All the villagers got out, and you're like, how? When? Where? How do what you are know you talking that? About how do you know they didn't die last time you guys were here? It's so ridiculous. No, because they were there beforehand. They saw yeah, them get out. Ridiculous. Like that's the, utterly ridiculous. Uh, it's so so convenient to make it work as an adventure, and you're like, that's why you don't set it in modern day Iraq. Mm. Like it's ridiculous and dumb, and the and also like they they want to preserve just the mummy, but that whole tomb surely has to be preserved. Well, yeah, and it's you massive. Can't and there's take, beautiful statues everywhere. Yeah, you can't take that with you. It makes no sense. Like, surely the statues would be just as valuable as the – well, probably not just as valuable as the mummy, but some of the stuff in there would have been just as valuable. Or, but wouldn't the va- mummy have been more valuable in her original home? Like, surely the whole th- it's the whole thing you want to preserve, you know? Yeah. I, like I said, they're trying to get her out because there's going to be an airstrike. Yeah, yeah. Uh, there's going to be more yeah. fighting, so they're trying yeah, to get her whole, out. But then the whole thing's going to be ruined. Yes. Anyway. It's just they just don't try to preserve it at all. There's nobody there who's no. thinking about any of that sort of thing. And she supposed, but like it, they kind of justify that as well because her job of ultimately is actually to work for Jekyll's anti-evil organization, the name of which I don't know. No, I, I don't know either. But she's like <laughs> the worst scientist since Denise Richards. Like she's just <laughs> not really thinking through any of this stuff. She's trying to. She's just there to like shout lines bossily at people well, she also expositions as she walks through the tomb yeah yeah like so heavily and like they try to make it fun by com- constantly pulling away from her and showing the other two because there's nothing interesting about what she's saying mm. and then eventually she at one point she's like it's a t- definitely a tomb and then she goes uh, it's not a tomb it's a prison and then they and then she goes those chains aren't trying to aren't doing aren't, something aren't that- to bring her up they yeah. to keep her down. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> like, there's five lines that dramatic in that little section. <laughs> and you're like, what are you yeah, doing? Like are you said, just trying to, like, s- s- spit out trailer lines and see what sticks? And like I was saying before, it's all of, this, all of these things where we're being told what's happening. Yeah. So much voiceover, so much telling us what's happening. Yeah, they've got to tell us all what's happening because the movie doesn't make any sense unless no. you have people explaining oh everything. Uh, and Tom Cruise doesn't know what's going on. No. He's like, when do I run? Do I get to go on a motorbike in this movie? He didn't, actually. He didn't go on. I know. I noticed that. He's like, when do only, I run? Tell me when like, to run. He drove an m- ambulance. That was the only kind of like operating machinery that he did. Do you know yeah. what else I noticed in this? And I was going to bring it up before. When you talk about modern technology, there's like one mobile phone in the whole thing. Nobody has a phone. Nobody's texting each other. It's really odd. It stuck, it stuck out to me. Yeah, she calls she calls Jekyll on a um, mm. landline, which was weird. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't see how even ha- I don't see how why ha- having mobile phones would even ruin this movie because there's nothing well, that it they wouldn't. Particularly it, it's do. just it just felt really um, out of place. Anachronistic. Yeah, that's the thing is that they were really like it worked well for me in the Jekyll and Hyde stuff, but it doesn't work well in a lot of the other stuff. Mm. Like, and setting it in the 30s was a really mu- like I said a smart move. Yeah, setting it now was a bad decision. <laughs> Was it really set in the 30s? Uh, I'd have to I look it, it up. I thought it was actually earlier than that. It now that I think actu- about it, I'm well, pretty sure it's earlier. Yeah, I, it might actually be. Um, I have it up. It's very Indiana Jonesy, I know. Yeah, that. which is set in the 30s. So, 
1923, actually. Yeah. yeah. It's earlier. Yeah. That makes more sense because I was thinking about the costumes and stuff. And yeah. I'm like, I don't think that's actually the 30s. No. And they also don't have the threat of war hanging over yeah. them, which is, is what happened in Indiana Jones. So, yeah, you're right. The 20s. So, yeah. And the 20s is when, um, when Tutankhamun's tomb was dug up and all that famous archaeology. Yeah, the- what's his name? I don't know. Lawrence, Lawrence of Arabia and all that sort oh, of stuff. Right. That, that era of British colonial expansion into the Middle East. But also the curse the curse of the them uncovering the Tutankhamun tomb is so famous. Mm. So that makes a lot of sense for them to set it then and yep. have the curse. And there's some really like, I don't know, there's just so many good moments. It's just not funny, this one. There's not a lot it's of not fun. fun. It tries really hard. There's some decent action. I'll give it that. Well, see, I thought the, the best but, the best jokes were in like physical mm. comedy, like action scenes. Yeah. There wasn't anything funny in the script. Okay, we should rate it. Yep. Um, One star. I'm going to be more generous for this one and I'm going to go all the way up to one and a half stars. Awesome. I know. I liked it. Half a star better than you did. <laughs> Thank you very much for listening to the Silver Screen Queens podcast. If you would like to find the show notes or old episodes. Might two stars, actually. Oh, oh, you don't go stars. up to two stars. Well, yeah, because I, I genuinely liked some of the D- Jekyll and Hyde stuff. I just didn't like the mummy movie. Yeah, I just, it just the whole exercise felt really cynical to me. So that's why it I'm does feel it really one. cynical. Um, okay, so one I'm star from me, two stars from Katie. Five stars. Thank you very much for listening to the Silver Screen Queens podcast. If you'd like to find the show notes or old episodes, they're on our website, silverscreenqueens.com. If you want to read Katie's review of The Mummy, that'll be on her blog, silverscreenqueen.wordpress.com. And if you want to find us on social media, we're facebook.com forward slash silverscreenqueens, at screen underscore queens on Twitter, and tumblr.silverscreenqueens.com on Tumblr. Thank you for listening. Bye. Bye.